Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. MH The Verb and producer Busgrates of the Multimedia Hip Hop Collective label Arthouse95 have joined forces to create their newest collaboration album, Afronaut. With that, I want to welcome MH The Verb on the library with Tim Anika. Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? Creation. I was waiting in the wake, awaiting my chance to escape free of the skate. Who breathes for me? He who breathed life in an infinite Look, infinite. So, first off, I want to kind of start out. What is Afronaut? And how'd you come up with that term? So, Afronaut is a, it's a multimedia concept project that we started working on a few years ago. Um, I was working on my previous album. The Balloon Guy, which was a story pretty much documenting my travel from the Bronx to Brooklyn at the time I was living in New York. And I started learning, you know, like I was, I was, uh, I started learning a, a lot about the MTA system and all the different culture. And I linked up with some of the producers who I knew from different places uh, while they were in town. And one of them was a friend of mine from my days at University of Pittsburgh uh, named. Orlando Marshall also goes by the name Bus Crate, uh, Bus Crate 16 Bit Ensemble. And so he sent me a whole package of beats, um, of instrumentals. And, and my creative director and I, George Cylon Cassius, we fell in love with the sound. And we were like, okay, once this project's over, we have to sit down and we have to do a project just with Bus Crates. And so we started working in the studio. Around the same time, I remember it was, it was around the same time that the first the new installment of Star Wars came out. Um, I don't know if you remember, there was a whole big controversy around The Force Awakens. And I've always been a movie buff, and especially a sci-fi um, movie buff. I've always been into comics, and and um, and especially like uh, you know Marvel and the movies and everything. And and I was really intrigued by this concept because when that came out, the controversy was that there was this black. Uh, black Star Wars character, which people like really flipped out about. And I was like, well, I is so surprising. You know, we watch a lot of science fiction, and sometimes you don't see it. You don't see black people represented in the future. You don't see a lot of different types of people represented in the future. But if there's one thing that our past has really illuminated is the fact that our perseverance as a culture, as a people, um, not just black people, but you know, we derive, we derive from that Afrocentric um, state, uh, all humans do. And if there's one thing I've learned 
the struggle and persistence of my culture as a black man is that I feel very confident <laughs> that there's going to be, you know, if we've dealt with the things that we've dealt with now and we've persisted, then that's going to be something that we have to attain to, you know? And so I started really getting into that whole idea of Afrofuturism and understanding, you know, when I started looking at it, there weren't a lot of, I realized how in sci-fi comic books, there aren't a lot of representation of black characters or African characters, um, especially female. So we started, we were in the studio and we were talking, you know, like, you know how guys are in the studio and we're like, Oh, what should we do? What is, you know, we're, 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 um, you know, just letting loose a little bit. And we started thinking of these, these really weird, crazy concepts, you know, we're over, over, you know, smoking the joint and just thinking like, well, what, is, what can we do? And we started thinking about black exploitation movies because Bus Crates' instrumentals were so inspiring with all these really futuristic synth sounds and these weird spacey type of vibes. And so we started thinking of black exploitation films and we started thinking of, uh, taking it deeper, and we were like, well, what if we were the last black people on Earth? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. what is the future going to look like for, our, for, for, for black people and for people of color? And we just kind of came up with this idea of almost like a movie or a story or a graphic novel, and we decided that the theme of the album would be to make the soundtrack for that. And so we came up with this um, futuristic... Um, this this black heroine who comes back in the future a la Terminator <laughs> comes back from the future to inspire us you know to change and to to really breathe the leader as it started to look more to what Afrofuturism is and especially with everything going on in our culture right now in our, in our society it felt like we needed to make us we needed to it, it felt very natural to bridge that with the current state of of its transition of power, you know, and the post-Obama world that we're in, the current uh, resistance that we're fighting through. How how does this character illuminate us? And so we decided that we would just make the theme of kind of a soundtrack to to our revolution, to our movement, in knowing that there is going to be a future, and that's going to honor our past at the same time. So. That's really how the astronaut came to be. And we just kind of ran with it. We started thinking of visuals and all these really cool things. And artistically, people just started to respond. You know, it's, it's really crazy how right. when you take something and then you put it, you take an idea and you just watch it come to life. And so many people were touched by it or, or related to this concept, whether they were white, black, Asian, Hispanic descent, native descent. You know, there's a lot of people struggling with these ideas and concepts, and we decided to use this as a platform to kind of tell that story and tell these, these, um, you know, and, and communicate with people through through art and media. So, so, so it's interesting. I think about. Um... The, the album and the concept of the album I mean, actually in, in what you just said and you, and you also touched on it is that you're 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 creating an album that also is there to empower I think also to empower black people right um, yeah people have, and, you know people from all walks of life really I mean um, I'm sorry to cut you off it's it's, it's really 
you know, it started off as just not even empowering other people. It really started off as empowering myself and other people and the people that I was working with, you know, after, you know, November, 2016 was a hard time for a lot of people. And, you know, we, I'm not even, I'm not even, you know, go into that. And, and especially after I'm, you know, I was born in November 6th and four years before that, I was, you know, eight years before that, I was so ecstatic about the progress of our country. And really I just, I needed something, you know, we started working on the music kind of in that same realm of time. And, and I just needed it. I needed it for me. You know what I mean? Like to inspire myself and remember what it is that gave us purpose. And the music is just the first part of that. So, so how do so then how do you do it in a way where it's two things? So I, th- I think you have, you have a, a, a tricky goal in a way or a tricky mission, right? Where you, you, you're speaking on, on, you know, the changing of the ties, you're speaking on kind of a goal of empowerment, but then you're also having to, to make compelling music. Uh, I imagine how did you go into that trying to balance those two? Um, honestly, this is the first time that I haven't even thought about any of that, you know, like it, it really wasn't even like this project kind of, you know, after the balloon God, the balloon God was done in such a way that we sat down from the, from jump street on that. And we knew the concept, we knew the idea and we were trying to, to appease a lot of people in terms of, you know, trying to, please the base of our fans, trying to expand fan base, trying to, we were trying to hit points, you know, we were trying to hit checkpoints. We wanted certain sounds, we wanted certain vibes. We wanted a very eclectic, and it it produced a very eclectic album. We had very obvious goals with that album. Um, But then afterwards, I was like, well, this isn't really a representation of me. Um, This is a representation of, you know, image the verb as an artist, and maybe what all the collection of the things that I had done but when I started working with bus crates, what really was eye-opening was just, I was just such a fan of his, you know, he's such a, he's a guy who all he needs in life is his keyboards, you know, his music equipment. Like literally when we, when we've gone on tour, I mean, this dude is like super eccentric. He nerds out over music in a way, and he's an amazing musician. And it's, and you know, he, it's so organic for him. And I remember what that was like for me, you know, especially younger me before I really got into the, you know, the New York, Philly, East Coast culture of being an underground hip hop artist, you know? So for me, it was like, I've done what I needed to do. You know, success isn't going to define me in terms of sales or press or anything like that what's really going to define me is now what I'm giving back to the community of myself. And so when I started writing lyrically, especially it was just, what do I want to say? Like, what is, what is, what is important to me? And at that time, it just so happened to coincide with a period where of, of self growth, you know, I, um, I have moved back to Philly after I left New York, you know, I was a little, I just wanted to go in the studio and create. And I wasn't concerned about who would hear it or what people would say or how the impact would be. I really just wanted to do it for me and my crew. And, you know, I just got my, I got the team in 
play. We went to the studio. We created probably close to about a hundred songs over a year and a half. Um, just um, some finished, some not finished, um, all different kind of sounds. But we really were honed in by Bus Crates Productions. Um, I produce as well, and we have various producers and musicians who are part of our Art House 95 collective and artists. And, and we just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to curate this this thing that I had, this feeling I had. And so, yeah, it was, it was, it was very, it was very authentic for me. And that's been the most pleasing part of the whole process. It's just how much people have responded to something that I feel like is such a part of me. MH, you talk a little bit about, uh, you talked about your, the producers, uh, kind of in the collective, but also on the album. And I just want to kind of, if you could just, quickly talk about uh um uh, on the on the album you collaborate with as you mentioned bus grates but there's long arms and uh uh doper than cereals like um i was wondering um can you take a moment to talk about how each of these producers kind of help inspire you as an artist but also kind of in a, in a way make you step up your your lyrical game yeah so so the majority of the album is produced by Bus Crates, and I think that's about either seven or eight tracks. I can't remember off the top of my head. But he did most of the beats, um, and we did that through collaborating mostly um, while he was in Atlanta still, and I was in New York and Philadelphia recording. Um, we both have roots in Pittsburgh, so it was very natural um, for us to kind of collaborate. We We kind of both went back to our, you know, when we met, almost 10 years ago um it kind of was very organic in that sense working with him because it really you know we have this in pittsburgh when i was at university of pittsburgh and where i came up you know i came up in the scene with the women's khalifas and mac millers and there's this whole scene in pittsburgh that's really interesting because it's a very it's a very throwback to how i imagine a lot of the early brooklyn and new york scenes were in terms of developing a very strong and boom bap culture of organic hip hop. And you've seen some of that even in the production, the early music of Wiz and Mac. But um, we, when we connected, we, there's this place called the shadow lounge and the shadow lounge is a legendary venue. I mean, so many great artists got their starts traveling through Pittsburgh and playing that venue that cultivated such a unique community of jazz, hip hop, um, urban music and art. And it was like a home for us. You know, we used to go in there and, and sit there at the bar with Greg Gillis, who's, you know, um, um, who's girl talk or, you know, I remember Wiz Khalifa opened up for us there when he was just starting off uh, my band and the BMVs at the time. And that's great. And I were in that scene and there were so many of us who were so strong that, so the flow that I caught, was really an ode to that. It was really just, just you know, like, come with it lyrically. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that's when we were, you know, when I first heard Odyssey, you know, like when I first heard, I first saw Diamond District perform live and, and you know, I saw um, Pharaoh Monch there. I met Albie Shore there and opened for him, you know. There's these there's great Pittsburgh musicians, legendary, who I featured on the album, like Gene Stovall, who is one of, who everybody in Pittsburgh knows is one of the greatest 
um, vocalists and musicians in the city, you know? All that's left is a memory. Nothing left to become. And when it's over and done, we all turn to energy. You're not the only one. When it's over done, I'm over like easy boots over easy does it. You love And I consulted with a lot of people there to Siri X. Um, just a lot of really great artists and musicians and it's, it's it's where I came up you know and when I was there we used to go to the Shadow Lounge for open mic nights and at open mic nights in Pittsburgh you had to come correct you had to lyric they used to have this thing called Rhyme Calisthenics which Stretch Armstrong and Armstead Brown used to host and it was an MC competition before Wildin' Out and all that stuff you know <laughs> like and it was a wheel. You used to spin it and you used to freestyle. And it was, it was for MCs, it was a great place to develop, you know? And the beats took me back to that, that space. And so working with the other producers, they kind of fell into line with that. I mean, the other producer, the intro was done by Longarm, who's a uh, producer who is part of our collective, and he's been working with us for years. And he just kind of created that as uh, that was actually the last thing we did, which was just to kind of explain the whole concept of the Afronaut. And it's up to us to change it. It's not going to be any arrows coming down from the sky. It's our responsibility as humans. The other tra tracks were produced by me and my production partner, G.R. Stone. Uh, and, you know, they it was really organic. There's a ton of other songs that we created that are have various producers, and some of them have been released, and some of them will be releasing this upcoming year as a part of our uh, Art House 75 uh, collective releases. And, yeah, it was, it, was, it was really inspiring, though, and humbling to go back into that that part of my brain, that, um, that experience. And, and really, I just wanted to come as an MC, you know, I didn't want there wasn't, you know, some people think it was a gimmick, for instance, talking politically or, or, you know, using Afrofuturism as a way, but really it, it wasn't, it was just the way we live. Like I've always been involved in, um, politics and social activism. Um, it's based where my roots are from where my, you know, my dad was a community organizer. My mother was a teacher. I was at the Million Man March. I was, you know, I used to participate in community events with him all across the country, working with different organizations. You know, the more, uh, we did a reunion for the March on Selma. We, you know, I worked in different community organizations. I worked with Rock the Vote. In Pittsburgh, I started, you know, working and as a college student with a lot of those, you know, continuing that legacy of my family. And, I wanted to go back to that. And so that's really what it came down to. It's just, you know, in coming correct to those rhymes, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so what, for you, what is what is uh, you, you talk about your involvement with organizations and you know protests and 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 rallies on injustice. So when you write, so so so, the, so when, when you're involved with those, there's there's a there's a different sense of fulfillment or a different purpose being directly involved or organizing. But when you write and you touch on those issues, what is that? What are you using your writing for while you touch on those? When you touch on those issues, like you know white nationalists in Charlottesville, the NFL players protesting and the black, the backlash behind that. Uh, why do you write and touch on those events? What do they do for you, that writing process? You know, it's, it's interesting. I, um, it's kind of just, it, it's one form of release. You know, it just reminds me, it helps me, I think, to organize thoughts. Um, writing has always been one of those things for me that just kind of, it comes in burst. Like, I'm not somebody who I constantly write, but a lot of it is just notes. And what I've developed over the time is I write a lot of poetry, a lot of notes, a lot of lists, a lot of, you know, just overall thoughts that I have in my brain. And then when I go to write for musical purposes, whether it's rhymes or, or whatever, I tend to look back at a lot of that stuff. And that helps me to come up with concepts and ideas musically. And it was interesting because recently, <laughs> you know, recently we've been doing the press for the album and hip hop DX featured us on their show, the litmus test. And what I realized is it's really hard conceptually for people to grasp the concept of the Afronaut as an individual song. I, I think that's really, it's something that, um, that we're, it's because the project has so many legs to it itself. You know, we, the music is just one part of it. Um, but one of the things that did say is that they were unclear about some of the lyrics that I put into the song while they liked it. They thought that some of the political stuff sounded forced. And I thought about that a lot. And I, I tend to think that as a, as a poet, as an artist, nothing really comes forth if you're honest with yourself. If a listener is listening to that and they feel it's forced, maybe it's because they're not, they're, they're either, you know, that's a real thing, but it's, you, that's, that's the fine line of the balance that I'm trying to find. Because I feel like, you know, my voice is, I feel very honest about what I was saying, but conceptually, how do I transition that to the listener? And that's something I'm still, you know, trying to perfect. And I think that that's something we're always trying to perfect. We're always trying to get better. Um, but for me, it's really, it's really about getting those ideas out. And, you know, they come in my brain. I write them down. And now how do I best relate those to other people to communicate my concepts? So um, I feel like, you know, there's, I've gotten both sides to it because a lot of people really, appreciate the honesty um uh, you know we were on tour i think it was last well actually it was this past may we did a festival in philadelphia um the trend trend avenue arts festival and um we performed a song that actually was previously on our last ep it's called uh getaways and the first verse is about uh and this is the way I try. I try to write from firsthand experiences a lot or ideas. Um, but this was a conversation I wrote about that I had with a young lady at a coffee shop 
in New York. And she was uh, a young white woman who was part of the Occupy, you know, progressive, um, part of the Occupy Wall, Wall Street movement at the time. And when I talked to her, that interaction was so genuine from us coming from two different sides of the same fight, you know? Um, and it was just unique. And when I was at the festival, after the festival, one, somebody who was a new fan who had never heard the song before came up to me and approached me and said they really appreciated the, the fact that I was talking about real progressive concepts and ideas in my song, you know? And in that particular song, it was, it was really talking about how this girl and I had very different opinions of, of liberalism, you know, um, kind of the whole Bernie Sanders versus Hillary thing, you know? Um, so like we just had a, you know, and, and I think that's important for us to remember is that, you, and I brought up the litmus test because I appreciated so much what they said, but I was watching the show and so many of the artists who performed had really the same, the same concept always, you know, and, and sometimes I think a lot of underground artists fall into that where everybody's trying to make what they hear, whether it's if Migos is hot and they're trying to emulate that and, and redirect that into their sound. But, but really it's about finding what is unique to you, you know? That's interesting. Cause I, I mean, when I heard it and I heard your political commentary, I didn't see anything, nothing about it seemed forced to me. Thank you. Uh, I mean, I mean, I viewed it in a way where like, there's a lot of stuff happening in the world and probably everyone's going out of their mind. <laughs> so mm -hmm. if there is, you know, if there's some, if you're talking about one thing that's not political and then you get said something political, I'm like, no, this is just kind of, in my, in my view, it was like, this is just us taking, you taking us into your mind about all the crap that's going on and you trying to make sense of and it. I, and I think that's exactly, uh, I think you just hit it on the nail because I think when people think about political music, or, or expressing things about politics, like you just said, they want you to give them a song that's, they want you to give them a certain thing. They want something that's political or they want the song itself. To, and that's not really my intention. My intention is just to talk about what's going on with me and how that relates. And it just so happens that a lot of the things that I do and a lot of things that I see happen to be trans, you know, transient to that. They have to be, you know, that's my transformative nature of my art. And so like, it's when I say something like, I hope you're voting inmates for president. I think the other just is evident. They ain't got the notion black moon got you open. You know, that's not talking or when I say the, the, the second line to that is inmates for president, the cops killing brothers, look at the evidence. I hope you rise against the hydrogen bombs before the riots break out in the Bronx that's not even to be political. That's just talking about how I feel like, you know, this is, this is what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that before all this stuff, before we destroy each other, I hope we realize and recognize that there's problems. That's what that's about, you know, like, and that's just kind of my vibe on it. So it's not, you know, I'm not out here trying to make political songs. I'm just out here talking about what's really going on in my life, in my world. And everybody has something going on. that's different. It's just finding what you need to you. Uh, 
Anyways, I want to turn more to the album. Uh, the track "Power" uh, is the second track on the album. Yeah. And I thought was what's interesting about the video, and I want to turn to the video part because what I think was interesting about the video is it's 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 the it's obviously the music, but it's it's just uh, us watching uh, Borbe uh, creating your album art. Um, so, for you, what is the what is the purpose of the track "Power," and why do you, why is it important to show? the art the album cover being created uh, kind of what role does the album art play in your music so you know a part of a part of um i've been comfortable calling myself a musician and i've never been really comfortable calling myself a rapper i've always considered myself an artist uh, you know because of what i do specifically um is more curation and creation um overall you know different projects and finding ways to relate other media aspects to my music. Um, so I started working with Borbay. I met him um, almost, I think it was almost about five or six years ago. We met at a, uh, my publicist at the time who I was working with, uh, Rachel Wells. She introduced us at a daily motion event where we both were featuring some of our work. And from the jump, it was just a mutual admiration of what we were doing. And he, you know, he was, he's, He's amazingly gifted. He's been writing for Forbes for years as an art consultant. He has had multiple pieces featured in multiple magazines. And, um, you know, he was Time Out New York's most creative um, New Yorker a few years back. And so, but when I met him, he was so humble. He was so genuine. And we just connected immediately on so many levels. And I remember the balloon guy was coming out and I was like, I want this dude to do my album cover, right? And so we sat down, I took him out, we went out for drinks, um, and I had mustered up this whole speech about how I was going to try and convince him, you know, because he, he has paintings that go for thousands and thousands of dollars. And, and I was like, I'm going to get him to do my album cover. And I had this speech prepared, and I started talking to him. And right before I could get it out, he says, hey, I'd really love for you to write a song for me. And I was like, uh, okay. Wow. <laughs> and he, and then he <laughs> went to explain to me that his wife was pregnant at the time for with their first shot. And he loved my, you know, he was a fan of my music. We were mutual fans of each other. And he wanted me to write a song for his newborn daughter. And I was really thrown back by that. So I was just so gracious for it. And I was, and he's like, why don't I do your album cover and you do that for me and we'll trade. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> and really from that point in time, we've just developed this really amazing um, relationship together, creative uh, partnership almost where I've done music for a lot of his paintings and process videos. And we did, he did the, um, the cover for Zach O'Malley Greenberg. I think <laughs> I'm forgetting, I'm messing that up. I think, but um, who's one of the music editors is Forbes. He wrote a book about Michael Jackson and Forbes did the, the book cover and they used my music, my song, Harold Die Young as the theme music for it. So we've had this really amazing partnership that has gone a long way. When I came to this album, there was a few artists I considered, but Borbet and I just had such a connection and he understood what I was trying to do with that particular piece of the Afronaut. And what I wanted was I wanted a lot like what I got for the balloon guy, which would be a symbol of a very, um, a very unthreatening symbol, you know, 
I didn't want it to be something that was overly political. I wanted it to be something that was very subtle, but yet powerful. And the image of that kind of, uh, you know, of this female character who's like in the shadows approaching us, approaching you from the beach. It was a photo that we had taken during the, um, during the music video shoot for, for traffic. And it stuck with me because it was just so subtle, but yet so powerful. And when he did the text as well, and I felt like, you know, that was really the beginning of when I started to take shape into seeing the symbol of what this project could be. And I wanted to showcase that in the song power specifically, we kind of went back and forth on what would be the, the, the real first like song on the album. And, I kept coming to that track because, you know, it says, um, sink your feet into Martian ground. We may land and knowledge, born wisdom, manifest understanding. Um, you know, that's a, that's powerful words for me. If you, if you're familiar with the five percenters at all, that's a, that's a mantra of, um, of progression of, of, um, and I wanted to do something with that song specifically. It's, it's the first, it's the first like stance of really what the movement, the music, the art is all about, which is that bright orange against those dark blues popping out at you, which just signifies to me the power of positivity and progression. Because it doesn't matter who's in that costume, it just matters that they're coming to that they're moving towards you and leaving that abyss behind them you know so no matter what race or culture i wanted something that people could just identify with and very subtly stand out to them in terms of like a beacon of hope almost you know to use you know some comic book <laughs> avengers <laughs> lingo um you know it's a beacon of hope and and i just thought we've always loved doing paid process videos felt like that song was a strong one to use because I wanted people to understand what the, what it was about and who has power you have power we all have power and it's just about how we use it so it's for our generation and we wanted that symbol to be really the kickoff for what we have going on Yo America, Why You Hating Me is how you start out the track, Yo America. Uh, it's a track about police brutality and racial injustice. Yo. Where were you Where were you when you wrote that track? I wrote that uh, track the day after the election of 45. The morning afterwards. I spent that entire night in bed, and I wrote that the next morning. The first thing I did when I got up, I wrote a, about a two-page poem. And I posted it. I immediately posted, which I don't always do. You know, like that's not something I, I'm pretty private, especially with my poetry. I actually like like it, that, but I felt that needed to be said. And, and the song actually wound up being just an excerpt of the poem. The poem is, like I said, two pages long. It's a lot more in itself. But when I posted it, I was in such a down place. And 
I posted it and it's just the love and support that I got from people just energized me and it was amazing. Like it was like, and people immediately were like, you need to make this a song. In fact, I had three producers that week send me beats. Like, just, like send me instrumentals like, yo, put that, put that to this. And it will be in some, you know, like it's it, in, in its entirety, it will be uh, shared in different formats. Um, but the parts that I chose for the song in itself, um, the studio session that when we recorded, it was really natural. I just kind of, I was, I just found that particular part to be very free and very honest. And I didn't need to put a lot to it. I just felt like, you know, you're America. Why you hate me? Um, it just was how I felt like, you know, when you talk about things like Charlottesville or just on a day-to-day basis, I think a lot of people don't understand the plight of, um, of people that are struggling in this world, in this country right now, especially, you know, whether they're black or, um, or of a different sexual orientation or gender, you know, um, look at the Me Too movement, man. This is, this is a thing where, people are dealing with stuff in a very real way and it's not popular or comfortable to talk about it, but we need to have these questions because sometimes it feels like society hates you and that can, that can send you in some dark places. It can make you very depressed. And, you know, whether you're living in Chicago and you're in extreme poverty and the only options that you see are related to violence and, and exploitation or whether you're, you know, a rich actress in California, you know, living in Southern LA and you're still being oppressed. That, that, that energy is still there and we have to address that, you know, like it's something that is real. And so just a lot, I think a lot of people identify with that at different points of times. I love America, you know, like my brother is a Naval officer and a congressional intern we were raised, you know, with a very open um, dialogue in our home of being Americans, you know, and the pride that we take in knowing that our forefathers built this country and that we have a rich history, uh, you know, of success and succession afforded us, you know, so many opportunities. You can't, you can't be an American and not be blessed. You know what I mean? Like you, you can't be alive and not be blessed. So you have to look at that and you have to find, but that, but that doesn't mean that you can just give up. It doesn't mean that you can't change and make things better. That's evolution. That's natural. That's human existence, you know? So my point in your America was just to talk about the plight of people. You know, there's a line that Jules, who's the singer, she insisted that she sings with me, which is, the laws of men ain't the same for daughters. You know, that's that's real that's real shit right there, you know? Like and we have to remember that stuff. We have to remember that two hundred years ago, black people in this country were slaves. You know, four hundred years ago we were being brought over still in chains, you know, it's it's not that long ago, man. Yo, America, why you hate us? Why you hate us? Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, they checked 
you said you you wrote Yo America the morning after the election. Um, yeah. How do you think? How do you think uh, a Donald Trump presidency? So the next long ass four years. Uh, how do you He's think? He's not going to make it. His. <laughs> Oh, hopefully not. His, his. How do you think his presidency or his policies will impact um, hip hop lyrically in the art form and also art in general? You know, the effect that it has on our culture is there. There's something to be said about balance, right? You know, we have we had a lot of progression under President Obama, but at the end of the day, President Obama wasn't the most he wasn't as progressive as a lot of us would have wanted either, you know? He he had his flaws as well, and no one's above that. And one man, no matter how powerful he is, we live in a country where we don't have dictators. We have balance. And it's our job to hold people accountable. I hope. My, my hope is that people will... And I think you're starting to see that, like, in Alabama, you know? People, people are... It reminds people of the possibilities, both good and bad. And it reminds them that you can create change. And I hope that people notice that and they take a stance forward. I mean, you know, for every artist that we talk about that sounds the same and, and isn't doing progressive things, you have some amazing art that's being created right now. Um, and I'm just trying to be a part of that, you know, like, and do my part and voice my feelings. But, you know, I'm influenced by all sorts of things and other musicians as well. You know, Beyonce, Kendrick, um, Joey Badass, you know, like, and, and that's just hip hop, you know, like, that's not even like, that's not even getting into it. If you ever listen to, I don't know if you listen to the new NERD album, but like, there's tons of stuff in there, you know, there's all these things to pull from. And I just hope that people are, um, I hope that they're aware. I hope they're, thinking and I hope they're allowing themselves to participate in the process uh, in the final track of your album uh, World Tribe you ask a lot of questions you have you ever been in love have you ever had a friend you could trust have you ever left your bag on a bus have you ever heard the prom queen rant have you ever ripped your name brand pants at your 8th grade dance have you ever heard a racial slur from your girlfriend's dad wonder why you keep chasing her uh, who are you speaking you to why are these important why are these questions important to ask so World Tribe is a very interesting song in itself we um, that was one that we kind of it was kind of free freestyled in a lot of ways um, I had that one line <laughs> about the um, about the uh, you know about the relationship that I had with this young lady, this white girl. Um, she was it was a relationship that I had for a long time, and her parents didn't condone of it. And then, and you know there was different stories of it, and there was a lot of things that I just I felt like there was a lot of things that I just wanted to say and ask people if they had to deal with it as well. You know, it was kind of like a way to, not to get it off my chest, but just to see who relates to it. Like, and the truth is a lot more people, the more I ask things and the more I bring up my experiences, I find, you know, if, cause for years I used to close that off, you know, trying to, for, trying to play a persona almost, you know, you do that as an artist. Sometimes you, you, you find, um, yourself closed off because you're not sure how to open up 
in the in the right way. And I've been trying to be more authentic in that case and, and trying to express myself. And as I've done that, traveling and touring and meeting other artists and other individuals and creatives and young people working with them, I realized that a lot of the experiences that we have as individuals, other people share similar types of experiences. And when we can talk about them, you know, whether they're political or non-political, like, you know, some of that stuff isn't even that serious. You know, have you ever left your bag on a bus? Let's talk about that. Tell me your story. I want to hear your story about that. Like, this is how we build community. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to do. You know, that's the really the, the essence of everything I'm saying. I'm trying to be authentic with myself and build that community of other, other authentic people. And, and yeah, so it was just, you know, it was, it was Gene Stovall and I, in fact, in the studio and, uh, GR Stone was there and, you know, we just kind of, I started writing it originally with Kufa Knotts, who's another member of our collective. And we just, we just kept it real simple, man. It was, it wasn't that hard. It, it was just, you know, even in the second verse, I think there's a point where I've had issues in the past dealing with depression and anxiety and it's something I really haven't talked about a lot. And I'm starting to just now become more open about that. Um, you know, but I, I talked about those a little bit. I, I touched on it. You know, have you ever, you know, pretty much wish you died on a plane, like, because you're scared to take your own life? You know, that's very into that song. But it's, you know, it's a real thing. And I think it goes back to some of the other things I was saying in regards to how you feel, um, you know, we can be in dark places and we can feel dark ways and we can feel all these range of emotions, whether it's happiness, sadness, uh, anxiety, uh, uh, power, all these things that are going through us as humans and how are we communicating that? How are we opening ourselves up? to learn more about how to deal with those as rappers, hip hop culture, you know, African-American culture doesn't really allow us to do that. Also this misogynistic culture that we live in that, you know, what it means to be a man. I remember being told that boys, you know, boys don't cry. Um, men don't cry, you know? And for years I hadn't, I hadn't, I didn't cry for like, maybe like seven years, <laughs> like, like legitimately. And then one day, you know, like the waterworks just started pouring and and I felt, I feel honor in that, you know, like I feel like that's an honorable thing to open up about some of these things, some of these objectives that you're trying to attain in your, in your life and in your well-being. Self-care is very important and that's something I've been learning more and more since I've you know, been spending more time on the West Coast, especially. Have you ever seen a friend change? Have you ever wished that you could do the same things? Have you ever dreamt about flying a plane insane? The possibilities of dying in the sky before you feel pain. Have you ever owned a bad stock? Have you ever lost the keys? He's MH The Verb. Uh, new album is Afronaut. Uh, follow him at at mh the verb at the twitter uh 
there's this album's great I, there's like I was trying to think is there one song that I actually try to skip I skip over anything actually no <laughs> I don't I listen I keep listening to the album over and over thank you um, man I appreciate that that's so like that's the best thing I can hear you know like people feeling the album I, I take great pride in that like the sky and she turned around and she said to him what if the sky ain't blue? The architect of sitting on chrome rims, mixing with grown men. Pretend the government ain't reading all the texts that your phone send. Clone men break palms to see how your bones bend. Don't want to go overseas to where the drones been. In the heat, roasting off the beach coasting. Always coaching, one foot out the boat, stepping in the ocean. Flowing slow motion, rubbing on lotion. Sexy, I hope you voting MH for president. I think the other choices are evident. They ain't got the notion. Black moon got you open. And niggas joking Twitter posting. I hope you voting MH for president. The cops killing brothers. Look at the evidence. I hope we rise above the hydrogen bomb before the riots break out in the Bronx. Yeah. What if the sky ain't blue? What if the grass ain't green? What if the sky ain't blue? What if it's all a dream? What if the sky ain't blue? What if the grass ain't green? What if the sky ain't blue? What if it's all a dream? Dream, dream, dream. Dreaming of in color. Panoramic views of Santa Cruz. Attitude, childish like Donald Glover. Why can't we love each other? Know the code of access. I stand with the actress. Mel Street on the street. Red on the blacklist. No alternative facts. A water like cactus. My track list. Circle the atlas. No need for practice. Answer this. I hope you vote in MH for president. Uh-huh. I think the other choices are evident. Yo, I'm real world, real vibes, real tribe, real time. Panelists, CNN street analysts. Yeah. I hope you vote in MH for president. The cops killing brothers. Look at the evidence. Yo, check, we got a situation, man. Small hands, we got an immigration ban. Damn, damn. What if the sky ain't blue? What if the grass ain't green? What if the sky ain't blue? What if it's all a dream? What if the sky ain't blue? What if the grass ain't green? What if the sky ain't blue? What if it's all a dream? Dream. Plus crate 16 bit and make sure get your jiggy 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 I get jiggy jiggy Plus crates I get your jiggy jiggy Plus crates I get your jiggy 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 I hope you vote in MH for president The cops killing brothers look at the evidence Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. 
Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.